Yes, but I've always just, I was just holding on to a dream, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that, that dream is just no longer a reality. Yeah. I mean, I guess so, that's what dreams are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sad too. But all hope is gone, Ben. You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 150. And on today's show, we got the whole crew back together again. Hey, guys. I don't yes. know why I, I feel the Hello. need to keep mentioning that, but uh, I do because <laughs> I, I love seeing all of your shining smiles. And on today's show, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what's on your workbench. We're going to get into just, you know, what's what's going on lately. That seems to be uh, popular amongst the listenership that talks to us in our Discord. Uh, so we're and it's something we know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we're just going to dig in there. Like I said, it's show number 150. But as usual, we'll start with our triumphs and fails. And Ben, it looks like it's your turn to go first. Welcome back from, you know, to, to stateside, sir. Yes, thank you. And that is going to be part of my triumph I'm going to kick us off with, which is that we were away for a week in sunny Ireland. And by sunny, I mean mostly cloudy and often rainy, <laughs> Yep, <laughs> which, was, which was great. You know, we, we traveled Friday to Friday and me and my wife have been married. I don't know, somewhere between like seven and 12 years. I'm not sure. And this is the longest <laughs> vacation that we've been on together. <laughs> so not, not that we each go on long vacations separately. I guess what I mean is that we've gone on many smaller vacations, like long weekends, mostly because of the dog, let's be honest. And this is the you first gotta time. You got to keep the dog happy. You got to keep the dog happy, which yeah. is almost a Sisyphean task. Mm. And we just had a great time. Uh, we had a really great time. We tried to do too much, as I think is common in a lot of vacations. We went, we landed in Dublin, then we traveled down to Kinsale, which is the southern part. So Dublin's on the eastern coast, then Kinsale's on the southern coast, and then we traveled up to Galway, which is on the west coast. And that was too much. It was too much to travel for the, really? the week. It, well, and also... Yeah, it just was too much for us. We would have. I, I, much... I should not judge. <laughs> Everybody's. No, different. no, no. Yeah. We would. I think we would have been happier had we just been in Galway and then did a bunch of like day trips, maybe. Mm -hmm. Although I don't know. You know, who knows? Maybe that would have been too much because at least I don't did know. You, anyway, we had a great time. Did you drive around? Did you take a train? Like how did we? You travel? Uh, we we drove. We didn't drive. We took like car services, which was like. Very expensive. Yeah, yeah. I was well, like, I didn't realize. I didn't realize how expensive that was happening. <laughs> uh, but because my wife, bless her, she she did all of the organization of this trip, and I basically just had to show up and have a good time. It's good to be king, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Spoiled um, much? <laughs> so we had a nice time, and I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that we did in Dublin was one of these hop-on, hop-off bus tours. I don't know mm -hmm. if, if a lot of cities have these. I know New York City does. It's basically a double-decker yeah. bus, and you just hop on, and you can go around the the city, and usually your ticket lasts for some period of time, like 24 hours, 48 hours, and then you can get off, go do some stuff, and then hop on the next bus. And it's it's just like, it's a super touristy thing to do, but it's actually just a really fun way to yeah. get around the city and kind of get the lay of the land. We, we did that when we went to Barcelona. You're right. It's just great because you don't have to worry about how to get there or parking. You just hop on. And, you know, they have the little 
headset you can listen yeah, to. They yeah. tell you different things. You're like, oh, this is great. It's kind of yeah. relaxed. Yeah. So that was uh, it was good. Plus, like you know, in the afternoon, you're tired. You've been walking around a lot. Sometimes it's just nice to get on a bus and feel the, the breeze in your hair. You know. <laughs> So anyway, that's me. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to have been on vacation and I'm going to kick it over to Carol. What do you got going on? All right. So I hate to ruin it, but I'm going with a fail. I totally missed some fine print somewhere and it's biting me in the ass now. So we have a, a, like a whole workout thing in our garage. So it's like a gym at home and we have the rogue system stuff, which rogue's great, nice. you know, high quality stuff. It lasts, you know, it's easy to assemble. We have a squat rack and I <laughs> thought a squat rack and a rig were the same thing. So I ordered, you know, $1,500 worth of accessories for said squat rack that doesn't fit said squat rack. And shipping to return it is like $500. So I either order a rig now to support everything I just bought. I try to sell it or I just call it a giant loss and send it back. So I'm very disappointed with myself Mm, for not checking compatibility a little better. We're going to go to Lowe's this weekend and buy a few things and see if we can, you know, make it work. But when you're talking about a pulley (laughs) system, on the squat Mm-mm. rack, that's not very safe. And Mm-mm. since we're in a rented house, we can't bolt the system down or anything. So mm. we'll Get see. Some, like really capable of like sandbags or something. Yeah, yeah. Rogue stuff is very popular. I, I bet if you put it up on on Facebook Marketplace or something, I bet you would find people. Oh yeah, when we drive around and post here, people have their garages open and a very large set of them are like us and use their garage for a gym. So I, it probably could sell, but we're going to try to make it work or maybe get extra parts. We'll see what we have to do, but definitely feeling like a failure when I realized how much I spent on things that aren't compatible with what oh. I have. I'm, so, I'm yeah. shocked that the, the, I assume it's that the uprights are different dimensions or something, but I'm, I'm just shocked that they're not more consistent, that, that that kind of stuff should just be interchangeable. So it all fits together. Not safely, though. So I need like a four bar system that makes a square and is very sturdy. Mm -hmm. So if I put it on my squat rack and attach it how it needs to be attached, I'm going to pull it over on its side every time I use it. Nobody wants that. Yeah, nobody Mm. wants that. So we'll see what happens. You need to get like 400 pounds of sandbags and put those on the feet. (laughs) I mean, we're in the desert. There's lots of Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, that's me. What about you, Tim? Have something better. Come on. Okay, I got a triumph. Yay! Uh, so, at at our company, the the company that we're part of, they have a thing where they do annual bonuses, right? You remember this, Carol, when you when you worked over there? Yeah, they um, were pretty. Yeah, I mean, it, it, well, the bonus is is based off two things: one, the performance of your company. So they have some sort of calculation of how much you've grown versus you know how profitable you are, and all these ratios and metrics that they have. And they come up with something called a company factor. So you take your salary times the company factor times your personal factor. Personal factor is based off of, you know, are you an individual contributor? Are, are you, do you have, you know, direct reports? Are you in management? Things like that. So you get a factor there. You multiply that and that's, they, you know, every year they tell you your factor number, company factor, and you take your personal factor. You are okay, that's how much I'm going to get in bonus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, you know, $2,000 or it could be, you know, $20,000, $30,000. It totally depends. And so our the division that I run has always been tucked in with another company. 
And unfortunately, that other company doesn't really have great numbers. Mm. <laughs> and our numbers are like really just ridiculously good, like really great numbers, particularly this year. So I finally won, I don't want to say an argument, but a discussion I've been having a while was like, you know, it's not fair. It's hard to motivate my people, you know, to say, oh, you're going to get a bonus. But they're like, yeah, but it's not really our bonus. It's tied in with that other company and their numbers suck. So this year, starting this year, our, my company, PayCloud, it will be its own bonus factor. It will Yay! get our numbers. Nice. And so I told the team that today and they were just absolutely you know, excited because I mean, and and this is a good year to do it because we really, I mean, really outperformed. So we're super happy that we'll we'll get to reap the benefits of that next year. So that is awesome news. Very cool, that's exciting. Yeah. It's really motivated for your team. Can I interest yeah. you in sponsoring a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I think I already do. <laughs> sponsor harder, yeah. Sponsor harder. <laughs> So that that's a big win. And I, the biggest thing, you know, I I like it because I, you know, am in management, so I have a pretty good personal factor. But just more for the team, you know, to make them feel that, you know, they're not holding out someone else's numbers up, improving theirs, but not, but being brought down. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. So that's me. How about you, Adam? Finish it up. Uh, I guess I'll try and do my best to finish it up strong here. I got a couple of good things going on for me, so I'll. I'll I'll go with the triumph. The The most obvious one in my mind right now is, so we're recording this on a Thursday evening. Last Thursday, a week ago in the morning, I know, I guess it was in the afternoon. It doesn't matter really to our listeners. I don't know why I'm going on about that. But either way, <laughs> I, I started reading a book. We, we had previously on the show or maybe in the after show touched on a book called We Are Legion, We Are Bob. This is the Bob Yeah, mm-hmm. Bobiverse books. Sci-fi, space, opera type series. And I, I read the first. So on Thursday, I think I texted you, Tim, that I was yeah. uh, that I had started reading that book as an audiobook as I'm driving down for work. Uh, I did a, a work event just on Saturday, like a, a one day thing, but I had to be there early in the morning, so I spent the night. I was listening to the, the book, book one on my drive down. I finished it on my drive home. Anyway, a long story, somewhat shorter. I am ten percent through book four now. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm enjoying these books, and the thing that, that's kind of like driving me nuts in a in a somewhat good way. The so it's a the book is about a guy that kind of becomes a von Neumann probe, which, if you're not familiar, is a self replicating spaceship, um, mm-hmm. right? So it just flies around the the galaxy, finding resources and building clones of itself, and like installing himself his consciousness as the like operating system for the the probe so he's basically cloning his own consciousness throughout the book and there's becomes a lot of him and that's why it's called the bobaverse because his name was robert and one of the things that's like constant throughout all these books is he's constantly like oh yeah you know i, I put it I, I gave some instructions to a a what does he call it the, the little worker thing the AMEs or AMIs and the, AMIs. but the, also the, the, the little worker bots or whatever, whatever they're called. And, you know, and he's like, and I just told it to interrupt me if it needs input or, or if it notices anything anomalous. And man, I'm, I just, I, I associate or I, I, I can relate to how his to do list is always seems to be growing. And it's, it, it seems so like it would be so awesome to be able to just like, okay, here's a, here's a clone of my consciousness. Go work on this to-do list item. And I'm going to go make more clones of myself and put them all on, <laughs> on all these different to-do list things. And, and it's like, 
there's so many things I want to do so many things that I'm like sort of working on a little bit at a time. And I really want to like, just mm-hmm. here, go do it. You know, like I want to, I want to get my stuff done. It's like, it, it kind of, it's a little disappointing. Cause like, it's a fantasy world. I, c- I can kind of like picture myself there. It's like, Oh, that would be so great. Uh, but I can't, <laughs> it's so disappointing. You, you texted me about, like, I really relate to this guy. I wish I could, he, he can change his frame rate, right? So when he's thinking mm. at computer speed, he's thinking a really high frame rate. But when he has to interface with humans, he jacks the frame rate down because humans are so slow. And you're, you're like, yeah, if you could do that in your real life, or like speed up your mm. frame rate, you know, when you're working really intensely working on something and then look, stuff's kind of boring, you kind of slow the frame rate down so yeah. you don't have to. Yo, has anyone here seen the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. It's uh, the, the premise for people listening is it's, it was early artificial intelligence where, I mean, it's, it's like past future kind of stuff where uh, everyone is carrying around these little boxes and all of the operating systems are these super high performance artificial intelligence and people end up kind of falling in love with their AIs. And so Joaquin Phoenix is walking around having these deep conversations and falling in love with his AI who's who's narrated by Scarlett Johansson. And at one point, I mean this movie's kind of old now, so I don't think this is a spoiler alert here. But at one point, I forget she she like indicates that she's distracted and and Joaquin Phoenix asks the AI, are you talking to anyone else? And she says, Yeah, I'm talking to like 1300 other people right now. And it was like, I felt so emotionally hurt by that, but you know, she's operating at such a high level and it's hard to relate to that as a human. It can, it feels it could only be hurtful yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, it's, you, you do know that Tennessee Taylor, the guy who wrote those books, he's a retired programmer. I did not know that. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So it makes sense Let's that he, we, we kind of, Adam and I kind of related to those. So. Check it out if Yo, you guys want something to listen to. Sci-fi isn't Dune two supposed to come out like any day? I think they because of the strike they they're, they're putting it off. They delayed that it. Makes sense because you can't have the stars. The stars can't go promote it, right? So right, they're afraid right. it would it would hurt. The, it, they're afraid it would hurt the box office receipts. So that's a bummer. IMDb says twenty twenty four. So yeah. oh wow. Well, yeah, that's not was, that far away, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. All right. Okay. What we got going on? Yeah, who wants to start it off? Oh, I can start us off. Go ahead. All right. So what's going on with me these days is what you want to know, right? Yeah. (laughs) So you guys know I started a new job. Mm -hmm. I'm working for Uncle Sam. What I haven't told you guys is that during my first week, I was informed that there were other plans for me outside of what I thought I was being hired for and that I was being promoted. Wow. Wow. First week. (laughs) First week back. And I was like, you guys know I don't know anything about what I'm doing right now. I like blocked out every bit of the code I wrote when I was here before. I don't even remember how to use Visual Studio. Like I've been using <laughs> VS Code for so long that I'm like, how do you build? Like what's a NuGet package? I don't understand these things. Like someone's gonna have to like give me some like refresher courses, right? So they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we know it's gonna take a while. And I'm like, all right, cool. So last week they announced it to all the teams that I had been promoted to an architect. So now I'm a systems architect and I will have my nice. own team of people. 
And we will be working fully, well, for a little while, we'll be working like fully for some treasury work. So for IRS things, and it's all about hiring and how they hire people. So it's staffing stuff. It's all HR things. But I'll be working with that organization for a while and trying to help with some of their pain points. So it was interesting to to go back and then immediately be promoted. I was like, oh, someone must have liked me from before. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. Cool. Congratulations, Congrats. Carol. Thanks. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. However, I've run into this giant pain in the butt thing that no one else has had to deal with yet because some changes were made with how they encrypt like stored backups. And whenever developers want to spin up the system to run our database locally, like we just go grab a backup and we restore it to our local and we have some seed scripts that run and you're good to go, right? Well, since they're encrypted, we found out that SQL Server Express will not let you decrypt them. So even though I have the cert, I can't decrypt it. Every other developer or engineer is using SQL Server Express, and they are able to keep working because they've just been applying migrations down every time we do a code Mm. push. So they just keep rebuilding on theirs. The minute one Mm. of them has to go restore from a backup, there's going to be an issue. So I've become the guinea pig on how to handle this. And it turns out in SQL Server 2022 Developer Edition and Enterprise 2, they got rid of the ability to alias a database. And if you know anything about SQL Server, the Express version comes with a local DB that basically runs everything. And then SQL Server Developer and Enterprise, it's like a local host type thing is how you connect to everything. It's just a server. There's no local DB. The entire code is written to connect to local DB. Local DB. Oh, and I don't have a local DB. And they got rid of alias. So I can't even go in and just alias it so that the code reference would still work with IP or with uh, the pipes. So I'm like, I don't even know what to do now. So I ended today going with, I have a feeling that I'm about to be told to stop trying to figure this out and that I'm going to have to change my local code every time to update the web configs for all these projects to yeah. the migration to point to local hosts instead of local DB. Well, it sounds like a really solid project would be refactoring the code to at least somehow pull out the name or the configuration for the database so that it's not, you know, could, could, you, could you see it becoming somehow a one-line change down the road Yeah, that's my goal. So I hope to get to a spot where I can figure out how to do that. I haven't yet, but I hope to. Or get it to where it's kind of like a universal type mapping that we wouldn't have to deal with because we've talked about spinning up some Docker containers for the database. So you would just always have that Docker file that would have exactly what we need versus you ever having to change anything on your local. So there's a couple of routes to go down, but it just sucks that the version I need to use doesn't have the tool 2019 had in it. Like the previous mm-hmm. version, I could have just aliased this and I would have been just fine. And now that's gone and the workaround's just making me angry and gave me a headache. And yeah. That's like, uh, so in my early career, I, I used SQL Server. And I think at the time, the administrative tool was called something like 
SQL, SQL server, server manager or something. Manager or configuration manager. Yeah. And then eventually it became like SQL Server Studio and it completely changed. And the whole paradigm about how you connected to databases would change. And it just, it made everything so much more complicated. And I, I had always wished there was a way to just opt back into the really old, simple, like double click on it. And suddenly you're in the database, basically. It's like magic, right? Those days are gone. Everything has to be (laughs) complex and you have to know how to get there. But I was even complaining to one of our DBAs because I haven't used like Microsoft SQL Server Management Studio in, I don't know, eight or nine years. Like I've been using like DBeaver and I was using Aqua Data Studio before that. I was using tools that are more configurable and a lot easier to use. And now I'm back to just the basic, you can't do a lot. (laughs) Good luck getting any help in here. It's just awful. So it's going to take some adjusting to get used to. And you said you're in in .NET. What's the programming language? Yeah, it's .NET, it's C-sharp. So we've C-sharp. got, yeah, we've got C-sharp and then there's a, so some of the, the programs have NC framework and with the database stuff, but several of them are trying to get away from that. So it'd be interesting to see with some of the new projects I'm spinning up if I get forced into any path that's not so fun with NC framework. If, if I can cross pollinate for a second, one of the podcasts yeah. that I enjoy listening to that might be up your alley now is .NET Rocks. I've listened to it, yeah. Okay, yeah, they've been doing... Apparently for like 15 years or something crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't understand most of what gets discussed on that show, but it is always kind of interesting. Yeah, I think I picked it up when I was a contractor the last time for the government. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to write .NET, I guess I should listen to something about it. Ben, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think about you. There's a commercial. I forget who's the company for, but it's the there's a podcast about that guy. Have you, have you seen that? No, I don't think so. Oh, I, yeah. There, I've been seeing that commercial a lot during baseball. There's a, yeah. there's a guy, there's always a guy in your company or whatever that knows, oh, there's a podcast about that. He gets on the elevator and a guy's drinking tea. He goes, are you a big tea drinker? <laughs> yeah. He goes, you know, there's a podcast about that. <laughs> the commercial ends. He's in a meeting. Yeah. And he's got like one earphone in and the, the lady standing up at the front leading the meeting is like, are you listening to a podcast right now? And he's like, yeah, but it's about multitasking. It's <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look that up on YouTube. That sounds good. Uh, I sounds feel like if that was us, home. Ben would be that guy, but Adam yeah. Adam would know the episode yeah. you were talking about. <laughs> He'd be like episode 47 at like minute number three. <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, I, yeah. I've gotten lucky right. a couple of times listening to the same thing that Ben had. Like Ben listens and he remembers it for later. And then like earlier the morning that we record, he mentions it. I'm like, oh, I just listened to that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you query? So obviously I love the CF query tag because it makes data access easy. In the .NET world, does is there a built-in ORM? I feel like I've heard people talk about something mm-hmm. called Link. Is that Link. how you're hitting Yeah, so we use link language for it. It writes like SQL, but it does all of the, like, what is like transmutation? I don't know the word, where it basically takes what you write and then gets it to the database in the correct format. So link's pretty good if once you kind of like get your head around how to write it in there and it makes it look like SQL. It's like instead of inner join as a keyword, it's like join as a method call kind of a thing, that, that sort of stuff. 
But yeah, I haven't looked at the code that hard. I'll let you know in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm always just curious to know how people hit the database. Yeah, I went I went through like a like very high level like reminder class and Pluralsight about Link, but I can't tell you about that stuff yet. Like oh, you good. could, but you'd have to kill him or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're working for the government and you just got a promotion. I we don't know, know how right? high up this goes, right? <laughs> Carol, blink twice if you're now working for the Secret Service. We Thank God okay, no okay. one can see this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. But yeah, so that's what's on my workbench right now. It's going pretty good. I'm happy. I'm I'll enjoying challenges. So yeah. yeah. I'll go next. So we are officially, even though it started on October 1st, like our review period, we are officially at 100% completion on our compliance checklist as of now. When we started, there were a few things that were technically incomplete, but that was just because we still had some like paperwork to file, right? All the all the compliance work itself was done, but the, the paperwork wasn't caught up. That's so we're great. at 100% now. It's great. And that's a huge load off my back. Now, the, the the funny thing is like now it's kicked in and everybody knows that like Adam is the, the CISO and there's jokes people crack. I don't want to piss off the CISO. You know, what should I do here? <laughs> what, is C, uh, what does CISO stand for? CISO, the Chief Information oh. Security Officer, which okay. it, it all started because Steve was like, so our acting CISO, and I'm like, oh, fine. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so begrudging CISO. So at, at this point, if, if a customer comes to you and says, hey, I need proof of compliance, you you now have a report that you can send No, them? No. Uh, so what, I, what we can say is we are actively engaged in a SOC 2 review and we're in the middle of our review period and we expect to have the report in like mid-February. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Wow, that's a long review period. Well, you would think so, but so this is going to be our first one and... and from what I understand, typical these days is for your first one, you do a six-month review period or some people do three-month. And then once you're on the treadmill, it becomes like a yearly treadmill, right? So you have gotcha. to okay. in the quarters okay. or whatever, but it's like a, a once-a-year review. We opted for, we were originally planning for six months, but we couldn't get our ducks in a row fast enough. And we still want to be done sooner rather than later. So we're just doing a three-month review for our first one. And then we'll be on the yearly treadmill. Oh, that's nice. And and it just happened to nice sort of nicely work out that will be January to December because that it doesn't too much conflict with our event schedule. It doesn't conflict too much with our fiscal year in terms of like timing when when crunch time is going to be on anything. So that'll be, I think, kind of nice. And we're going to try to get our PCI aligned with that as well. But yeah, so compliance cool. is kind of, you know, it, it's done. It's kind of pushed off to the side for the moment. So because of that, I have had some leeway to try and like sort of figure out the the best course of action for myself. You know, what do I need to be working on? What what does the company need me to be working on? And so we had this need to centralize some in engineering staff dashboards, right? We had to, you know, think we have things that we have to keep an eye on, right? So, you know, what's what's in the mail pipeline from all of our different customers? Where's the uh, since we have our own homegrown ticketing system, we have to keep an eye on that and a couple of other things. And we had some dashboards that were like, here's a Docker container you can run locally and it will query all of the different customer systems over their APIs, you know, like on a minute by minute basis or something like that. And now that we have more than a handful of customers, it's starting to be like, it's a little dumb that we are, we have three or four people that are all, you know, every minute hitting every customer asking for the same data, <laughs> right? And as our team is going to continue growing, that just continues to get more and more dumb. So we have for a long time said, like, when it makes sense, we want to centralize this. And now that I had the time, I was like, oh, uh, let me jump on this because it's, 
you know, it's just sort of rewriting the UI, right? As a matter of fact, if I wanted to, I well, no, I couldn't just take the the app that was there and say, okay, I'm going to run it in the cloud and and everybody can hit it because it was the container that I had originally written for these things. It's like, it's all client side, right? You spin up the thing and it's just making Ajax requests from the client side to the different customer servers. There was no oh, okay. server side for caching and, and centralizing. So that was part of what I wanted to bite off is and having a central cache. So we've got one server that is hitting all customers on a, on a regular basis and caching that response of the data and then all of the requests for the dashboard from each of us engineering staff people. It's the server and just gets whatever's the latest cache. Nice. So, so we go down from four requests a minute to each server down to one, basically. And so because I have you know wanted to work on this and, and wanted to get some real-world experience with SvelteKit, I thought it was a good opportunity. I've been writing this app with SvelteKit, learning a lot, trying to figure out like where the holes in my knowledge are, that sort of thing. I've definitely found a few. You know, there were things that it's like, why is this doing it this way? <laughs> and of course, one of them was friggin' time zones. Like, oh, I love UT, it. I love it. Yeah, oh. trying to display time in in the local <laughs> system, like the user's subjective local time, especially when you're using a framework that is like, I don't know if this request is going to be rendered on the server or on the client. Right? If it's your first request into the page, it's going to be rendered on the server, sent down, oh. and then sort of hydrated on the client side. So- just as a refresher for people listening, SvelteKit is basically Svelte plus a server-side routing and rendering mechanism. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Svelte itself, is, you kind of think of it like React and Next or Nuxt okay, or, yeah, yeah. you know, like all these things, right? You know, React is the UI tool set for, for building, you know, complex uh, deterministic. There you found mm. it. Uh, complex deterministic UIs. Uh, Svelte is very similar to that. And then there's Svelte Kit, which is, okay, let's add routing and um, all kinds of, you know, additional really awesome functionality that is that you can only get by, you know, incorporating server-side stuff. Anyway, so I've been working on that. That's been a lot of fun. And then sort of, you know, that that is sort of my like, okay, I have two hours to kill. What am I going to work on sort of thing? And then the other thing is, okay, I have a half hour to kill. I'm, I don't really have enough time to, to spin up on a real effort on something. So what am I going to do? I have been working on like, how can I find stuff that has slipped through the cracks of our team? Like yesterday, I found a ticket from last week that was like a high dollar donor. Somebody who wants to give thousands and thousands of dollars to one of our customers had an issue with their credit card and the the school was waiting for us to fix the bug. Oh dear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just sat there for like a week. And I was like, okay, here, <laughs> I'm, I'm fixing this and, uh-huh. and that sort of thing. And it's just like, you know, sort of building systems and monitoring stuff to to try and help stuff not fall through the cracks like that. And it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Very cool. Starting yeah, to like, great. Starting to try to think strategic, right? Like, you know, what what does our company need to do over the coming, you know, weeks and months to yep. make the best of the year? What do you need to start doing? What do you need to stop yes, doing? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll go next if you're done. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I feel like my job lately is like being the API whisperer. Um, <laughs> and, and it's like, you know, I have an API that I have in the middle, which is based off of your taffy, taffy. code. Yeah, and I call it I call it toffee. My, my, because it sticks in, you know, it's basically a, like a multi-purpose API. 
so I'm talking to a policy administration system, and then I have another outside company that basically it wants to. It's a mortgage. It's a it's a company that works with mortgage companies. They, they're a service processor for more for most of the mortgage companies in the United States, and so they they want to, a mortgage company wants to know, you know, is there does the uh, house that they have a mortgage on that they're funding does it have coverage and what coverages does it have on it? Oh, right, yeah. And right and right now, what this third party company does is they will physically call the agent of record on that policy and say, oh my "Hey, hey, could you send us the email us or fax us the they call it the deck the deck sheet or the declaration sheet, and they will physically look at at and go, okay, yeah, it has this much coverage, that much coverage, and so they'll they do it that way." So I'm working with that company to basically make it electronic, right? So that they could do an API call to me, and then I can go talk to our clients and go get that policy and tell them, you know, what the coverages are and all that. So I'm, I'm sort of in the middle, right? So one, it's like I don't control the system that it's talking to, and I certainly don't control the other, you know, this, this mortgage servicing company. And so like that's kind of been my job, and it's a lot of waiting, right? So I'll email someone or call someone, and say, "Hey, I need, can you make a tweak here in your your?" policy system so that I can get this and like, yeah, sure. And then I wait a week. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I talk to the other company and then and they're like, they have different names for these coverages. And I'm like, well, I don't really understand what this is. And then I wait a couple of days and they get back to me. So it's a lot of that back and forth. But I had a sort of a breakthrough today. So one the, the policy administration system, I, I knew that there was it generates a PDF that, that creates the deck sheet. And I knew because I wrote this many years ago for for them <laughs> that what it does is it creates a snapshot of all the data and uses that snapshot to feed that PDF, right, to, to dynamically populate it. And I'm like, that snapshot really has everything I need already done for me. And so I checked it out and went, yep, sure enough. And the only thing, it, 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 that is in cold fusion. All it does, it would dump it out in a CF dump. So I called the developer and said, hey, can you make this if I pass like JSON equals true? It will, it will, it will you can serialize that dump into sneaky, a... Uh, it, it, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. And he sure enough, he did. I'm like, perfect. Now I have everything I need. I don't have to keep... Because they'll change rates and everything. But as long mm-hmm. as I know that they create a deck sheet every single time. It's like, so as long as I know that it has a deck sheet, I can go just grab it, get all the data I need, pop it into the API, send it over to the other company, and we should be good. So. That was my breakthrough for today, but it took me, I pretty much spent all week thinking about it, you know, <laughs> thinking about how am I going to do this? Because right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to create something where every time the policy system makes a change and they make changes all the time, they have rating versions for you know, constantly changing. I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to have to go change code every single time. So, so I- I have a business question for you. So you uh-huh. are basically just payments, right? You're the company yep, you do payments. is all payments. How mm-hmm. did you end up in a situation where you're now doing like insurance verification for mortgage like writers or whatever these this company is? Like how did you end up with that kind of contract work on you? So just through it was a partnership that we had with the company that I, I can't name. Sure. But yeah, we had a partnership with them for another product we were doing. And they were talking about some of the challenges they were having. So that's kind of how that... And yeah. you, were like, you were like, well, it just so happens my company can branch yeah. out and help with this area. Yeah. Right. That's cool. Yeah. 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 Interesting. 
I always like seeing when things go a little broader than what they do every day. Because for engineers, like it's fun to work on something a little different, right? Yeah. Like if I spend all day in payments, like it's fun to go look at insurance or go look at yeah. you know some some in, any other type of data. It's just good as a little like Friday afternoon project kind of thing. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. And then, and then the other main thing that we're working on is, so like you say, we're in payments, but we're kind of low down on the food chain when it comes to payments. Like there's many middlemen in or middle companies in between us and Visa MasterCard. And so just through another partner that we've been dealing with that we now are directly, so how credit cards work in the United States, I, I, I imagine it's probably similar in Europe. You have kind of some of the major big players that are that work with the banks, and the banks talk to Visa, Mastercard, those networks. So Visa, Mastercard, American Express, all they are is a, they're just a network that, that you know passes money around. No, oh. Right, As, but the banks themselves use companies to they call them service processors. Service providers, yeah. They work with the, their their third party payment processors for issuing banks. Okay. So, it, so your bank, like say Synovus or whatever the bank is, they're going to have a company called TSIS. So TSIS is owned by Global Payments, and they're the biggest player in the United States. I think they're they're right there with Fiserv, which is like seventeen billion in oh, revenue. Wow. And it's a name I've never heard of. Yeah. You know, you never, you would never know. So they're the actual ones. And I'll drop a little knowledge. I learned this this week and I just thought it was interesting. (laughs) I'll get back to this. I'll drop the knowledge later. The main thing. So, so we're moving up the food chain. We are, have a, we have a direct, we have a direct relationship now with TSIS. Oh, yeah. So, which what's, and that's super exciting for us because there's tons of stuff that I want to be able to do. That because we're further down the food chain, that some of these companies just don't do. They're possible, yeah. but they don't do it at all. For instance, if you ever looked at your credit card receipt and you're like, you see some company name and an amount, but you have no idea what it is for. Mm, yep. Yeah. And there's and there's numbers there, uh-huh. and you don't know what those numbers mean. Mm-hmm. And Google doesn't help me usually. <laughs> doesn't help you at all, right? So I mean, that's sort of the typical experience. But there are cases where I don't know if you've seen like sometimes like if I buy my ticket to Delta on my American Express, it actually will show me on my receipt the flight number and things like that. So the credit card numbers, credit card companies have the, you know that capability, just like, most companies don't do it. Like more information for the transaction than what you're seeing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's one thing now that we're doing this, we're talking about this today, that we can have the entire, you know, you can have the, the amount that you're charged, the company that was for, but like an invoice number down to like a line item of of you know what's on it, so Ooh, someone's gonna get caught cheating, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that that's and then just other other features that we could do now that we're going directly. So I'll drop the knowledge on you because I, I thought yes, this yes. was super interesting. I just wonder how, why do, why would any bank like become the uh, the main processor for this? Because what they're putting up their own money. So let's say you go charge your card today for a thousand dollars you charge your card to i don't know rogue for equipment you can't use yeah right <laughs> to rogue right yeah so yeah. so what happens so at night that 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 amount is just sort of there and then at like three in the morning eastern standard time credit card network says okay let's settle this amount right so that information goes to 
goes to whatever bank like TSIS is using. Typically, they're going to use Synovus. It's like one of the biggest banks in the Southeast. So what Synovus does, what the bank does, is they're going to actually pay Rogue, right? So the Rogue will get their money tomorrow. But, and this is what I thought was interesting, the, the actual funds will not show up to, to the other, to the party, to, to, okay. to the bank for three days. Well, it'll show up, the actual funds will show up to Rogue like the next day. But the, that money is actually being transferred behind the scenes using our very old antiquated ACH system, which is the automatic clearing. Yeah. So that takes three to four yeah. business days. For that, for that money to actually electronically transfer. So what Synovus is doing is they are basically doing a loan to TSIS uh-huh. for two to three days or however long that takes. And they charge them interest on that loan. Mm. Oh. I, I, I was about to say, there's got to be an Somebody's opportunity make money. in here Somebody's for making someone money. to just have yeah. interest on something. Yeah. And right now with, with, the, with the interest rates so high, the banks are charging... I mean, they're really, Hi. they're really getting, yeah. yeah, they're charging them like 6% now on this, this overall funds that they're loaning. So I still haven't figured out how though that, you know, typically you're going to charge the actual merchant. Like, like if I'm, if I'm taking credit cards, 3.25%, 3, 3.5% is kind of what I have to mark up in order to not eat out of my profit. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, the banks, are, so they, they're doing a float. So every day they're just constantly loaning out money. To, to TSIS and then TSIS just that's the cost of doing business for them that's so. interesting crazy and then they charge the end user who put it on their credit card you know 27% interest <laughs> yeah exactly yeah are, are you in the in a type of business where legally you can't delete data like do you have to version everything instead of deleting and updating kind of an approach no okay so you don't have to have records for like seven years mm-hmm. with all this stuff no. gotcha. yeah i don't think we keep for more than two years interesting so i don't even want to guess at what our data retention thing is oh the government yeah <laughs> yeah anyway that's what i've been working on that's really cool tim thanks i need what to hear been? i need to hear your api whisper voice though like that's what we really <laughs> needed to hear up front all right so let me think Come, little API, don't say a word. <laughs> Perfect. Don't make your daddy look like a turd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I have not had much going on in my life lately. You know, we've talked about previously on the show, I am now a part time employee. That situation is still current. And I think the biggest life change and I, and I do call it a life change because work has been something I've approached kind of holistically traditionally I, I've always held on to this belief that I could do something for the customer that I could add value to the customer that I could solve problems even with my reduced amount of time and we've talked on previous episodes that I had implemented an office hours program where customers could reach out and this week I removed that from the application. And that was emotionally very hard for me. It was kind Mm -hmm. of this signifying that my ability to create change in the application is now limited in an extremely real way. And that trying to open the door to even communicate with customers was a fool's errand. 
And that's been hard. I've actually been feeling very depressed about that. But mm. yeah, that's a hard one. It is. It well, is tough, that's, I mean, it's not like it's a, it, it's not a reflection on you, right? No, it's just the situation not, no. you've been put in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But I've always just, I was just holding on to a dream, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that that dream is just no longer a reality. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's so, what dreams are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's sad too. But all hope is gone, Ben. <laughs> so, I mean, is that, that's obviously affecting you financially. I mean, do you plan to just continue working part time or are you, you looking for, is no, that why you're writing I'm, the book so I you can get rich? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely, I'm, I'm still struggling to write this book. I'm, I am making progress though. I mean, I have been doing quite a good deal of writing, I believe, but it's, it's one of those things where somehow it feels like the more I write, the farther the end of the book feels. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want this to look like. I actually had an idea where I would like to try and monetize the book in some way, but then I also was playing around with the idea that if, what if I could take the chapters, the individual chapters, and turn them into blog posts so that you could have a discussion around the book. And then if you wanted to purchase it, what you're purchasing is essentially the packaged version of the book, not necessarily all of the content. It's more of a convenience purchase than it is a content purchase. Like it makes uh, it easy to take it offline, right? I'm going to yeah. go read it while I'm Yeah, 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 or, uh, exactly. Yeah. But, but I, you know, one of the things that I think is limiting about a book is that it's such a, a moment in time and you can't necessarily have a very active conversation about it or, or any conversation about it. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, I already, it's entirely possible to take that in, that extremely open approach. Like, here's the content. It's all for you. It's right here. You just have to do the work to find, okay, this chapter, then this chapter, then this chapter. The, the movie The Martian was before it was the movie. It was the book The Martian. And before it was the book so The Martian, good. it was Andy Weir's like blog, basically. Right. He wrote oh, the first chapter as just like an idea for a book. And he wasn't even sure like if he would be able to like he kind of had an idea of like, okay, you know, he gets trapped on Mars and then he gets saved. And he he didn't have the whole journey planned out in his head. And it there were things that he had to figure out as he went along and whatever. And and it was just like, you know, he's a writer. He has people that are subscribed to his newsletter and read his blog. And he was just publishing this as like sort of a writing exercise following something that fancied him. Interesting. But it 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 got good enough. And they were like, okay, you know, later chapters, he would like, okay, well, in order to make this, the way that I want this to work out, I have to go back and change back, this, yeah. right? So, yeah. And he would do that. But then like once it's all done, or maybe once it got close enough, he was like, okay, this is actually enough to make a full book out of it. So he just took it all. And it's not like it's, it, as far as I know, it's still all online. But he just like package it all up and sell it as a book. So hmm. what I am hearing is that you think I could take this feature flags book and turn it into a major motion picture by Matt Damon. <laughs> yes, look, because I love I that idea. Yeah, I'm so uh, look. I I'm not saying I have Matt Damon's phone number, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, I don't know if it's 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 maybe we can get like Scott Hanselman or something. <laughs> kind of look alike, right? You know, and I, but but I I do think that part of my even toying around with those ideas in my head is, is in part an indication of just the insecurity I have about finishing the book itself, or maybe mm -hmm. not the finishing, because I think that would kind of have to coincide with the, with the blog post concept. But I, I, I'm sure that I still have a lot of insecurities about the very idea of monetizing it in mm -hmm. the first place. And, um, well, 
Okay, that's a, that's an interesting concept. Let's explore that for a second. Uh, what do you think it is? Is it like imposter syndrome, right? Who's going to want to pay for my book? Am, am I going to fall on my face and, and make zero money or only make one sale? Is that I'll like buy at the, least one. The, so well, that's good. I, I, yeah. Is that yeah, fear? It, it, it's not. It's not a. So it's not a fear of embarrassment or anything like that. You know, that's not. There's no sense of failure per se because I do think. As an exercise, I'm enjoying the writing. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. the act of having to organize and codify my thoughts. But I do think that there is an insecurity about, is any of this information actually worth a transaction that someone would want to uh, partake in? Sure. Especially because there is, you know, it, 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 I'm writing about my experience. So there is a very subjective portion of it. But a lot of, a lot of it is public knowledge. You know, I'm not the, I'm not. It's not like I'm writing a research book where I'm where I'm taking a hundred different studies and aggregating and connecting dots. I'm basically talking about what feature flags are and then pouring on top of that my experience and my perspective. So I feel like it's yep. the experience and the perspective that are really the value add, but is it enough of a value add that mm-hmm. someone would want to So I, I think I can help you get over this hump. And I, I want to suggest it. a few things, but I don't, I don't want it to distract you from exercise and job number one, which is write the book, right? Yes. There are, there are other things I'm going to mention that are, that would be, that could be distractions. Like, you know how when, sometimes when we don't want to do the coding work, we're like, I'm going to go like find a new color scheme for my IDE, right? Like (laughs) that kind of, that's the kind of thing, thing I'm saying, like you could get sucked into this other stuff and feel like you're working on the book, but you're not actually working on the book. Do pre-sales. Like, if you so let me let me say this you seem in my from what i see you seem most active on facebook of all the different social media or at the very least that's where i see it and facebook also happens to be of the social networks that i use the one i use the least so it's the smallest network i would think maybe too okay meaning, meaning way. that yeah 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 but what i have seen is that people really Seem maybe it's a, a small number of a tight group or whatever, but of people, but the, you seem to always get a good amount of activity on those posts. People are excited about the book, and I think yeah, that they're very encouraging too, which has been nice. Sure, and the here's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't use Facebook much, so I don't see all of these posts. I don't catch all right. of them. I don't. There are things about the process of writing the book that I'm sure that I would personally find interesting. That, that I'm not seeing because I don't use Facebook much. However, if you offered me the option to pre-order the book and give you my email address and know that just basically like whenever you're sharing content or whenever you're done with a chapter, even if it's a rough draft, if you're, mm-hmm. if I know you're going to email it to me and I'd be like, okay, cool. I, you know, I might wait for the final draft or I might, ooh, this really matters to me right now. I can read it. And I know that they're all coming to me, even though it's, it's you know, going to be spaced out even though they might be rough drafts, knowing that you're pushing it to me instead of having to go pull it. Because right now you're, you're posting the content online, you're posting some, like screenshots of it and stuff on Facebook. Knowing that you're going to be pushing content updates to me is itself motivation to go pre-order. I would, honestly, tonight, I would go pre-order the book if you offered that. Same, uh, Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? I yeah. think yeah. about it. <laughs> Come on, Tim. That bonus you gotta, you is gonna gotta, kick yeah, in one day. You gotta wait for it. <laughs> I know. I you know I've I've been mulling over this idea of some sort of a pre-order, and the book is sort of broken up into two parts. the The first half of the book, 
I mean, I don't know if it's half in actual measurements, mm-hmm. but the, the first portion of the book is much more a technical take on feature flags and how they affect product development. The second half of the book is a, I would say, much more subjective look at how this affects the culture of the company. And what I've sort of put in my mind as a milestone is if I can get to a rough draft of the first half of the book, Mm -hmm. then I feel like at that point I could offer it up as a pre-sale because there is actually a lot of value in there, even if the second half of the book is still pending. So Ben, I think you you need a gimmick. I was trying to think the other day when I saw your post about your, the book you were working on. I'm like, you need a feature flag feature in the book. So you like turn something on and off. Oh <laughs> man! It like stuff happens in the book. I'm like, I'm like, how do you do that? How can you physically do oh, that? Would you make it like just... a choose your own adventure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this got really complicated. Then no, 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 no. It's a it's a fascinating idea. I mean, you know, to some degree, a lot of sites have a a light mode and dark mode, which is basically yeah. a feature flag. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we could, I could, I could think I could doodle on that. I, I don't think you could do anything if you're in a PDF per se, but maybe there's some more opportunity in, in an, in an EPUB format yeah. where you're yeah. actually dealing with HTML. Mm. Mm. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be your auto audible book narrator for you if you want. Yo, that was actually one of the things I, I was thinking about because I know that you guys, or I, I know Adam, I think at least, had an audiobook version of Clean Code. Mm-hmm. Or someone did. did. Yeah. And, uh, and Clean Code had code in it. So I'm, yes. I'd be curious to know more about how that gets translated into audio format. Is it, is it literally someone reading the code? No, you get a PDF with it. So basically, when you download the book, it includes oh, a PDF. And then okay. the only part of the PDF is like all the code examples. So they're like, oh, figure J21. Yeah, but you know, honestly, I, I, not a single time did I refer to that PDF. And I didn't oh, feel I like did. I missed anything. Like, it, it, you know, it explains a concept like, oh, no more than two levels of indentation in a function yeah. or whatever, you know, his BS thing was. <laughs> and, and But like, I can visualize that. I don't need a code sample to show me like sure. don't have more than two levels of indentation. So anyway, all, all to say that that having an audio version of the book did occur to me because because there is a lot of pros. It's certainly not you know cover to cover code samples. There there is actually quite a lot of explanatory text as well. So I don't know. It was it's just I was letting my mind wander one day, and I'm like, is that is that crazy or is that feasible? That's cool. Again, well, like that's something we touched on. It probably was like an after show discussion where we touched on like pricing and like Mm -hmm. how you can set up different pricing tiers and that how that affects overall sales and how it like drives certain people to do different things. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. You know, if you offer that as an upsell, obviously, for sure. For sure. So that's cool. Yeah. Keep you all informed. Heck yeah. Cool. All right, well, then this is the part of the show where I let you know that this episode of Working Code was brought to you by Carol's new inbox rogue exercise equipment available on Facebook Marketplace if you live near Tucson. <laughs> and listeners oh. like you, if you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can keep putting more of whatever this is out into the universe, then you should consider supporting us on Patreon. Our patrons cover our recording and editing costs, and we couldn't do this every week without them. Special thanks to our top patrons, Monty and Gene Carlo. You guys rock. Uh, we're going to go record the after show. Let's see. Uh, here's a, a few nights, notes of what uh, people have mentioned 
that are going to come up in the after show. I'm having surgery tomorrow morning, so I'll just briefly touch on that. Nothing too gory. We'll talk about it. Somebody, I'm guessing this is Carol, has a dog groomer story. Not me. me. Oh, really? Okay. Surprise, surprise. And then allergies in the desert. That's that's definitely a Tim story. Not me. (laughs) That's me. Yep, yep, yep. All right. If you'd like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash working code pod. All of our patrons get every episode early as soon as it's done being edited by our wonderful editor, Matt, and they get access to the after show where we talk about all kinds of fun stuff like that. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember one feature flag that is always, always on is that your heart matters. Well, then it shouldn't be a feature flag. It should be hard coded. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.